listen, you cannot plan this stuff. You know, they had this conference, the, was it last week or week before? But anyway, during the time Billy Graham, you know, that stuff was going on in Washington, D.C., Cindy Jacobs, you know, Dutch Sheets. And, uh, you know, it was called the Turnaround Conference. Now, there's no way they could have planned that at the same time. And, you know, Billy Graham was lying in the Capitol there during... Do you, anybody know what holiday, the Jewish holiday? Purim. Now, what's the chance of that? I'm sure it was just by accident. No, it wasn't. And you know what happened in, during Purim, right? A great turnaround. There was, uh, the, you know, the assault of the plan, the strategy to wipe out the Jewish people through Haman. What happened to Haman? He was hung on his own gallows. What have we been praying? You know, in the presidential prayer watch, we've been praying that Haman would be hung on his own gallows. And God would turn it upside down, expose the wicked. And, um, and he's doing this kind of stuff. And, you know, I just thought, Lord, there's no way, no way that all these things are happening by accident. And um, God is doing something major. I thought about something last night, too. I, it's like I'm in this pattern. Maybe it'll be broken sometime. I just got to be faithful to get up and pray. But I've been waking up every morning, every morning, every morning. And then when you go back to sleep, you know, you wake up, you know, you're not quite as strong as you thought you should be. But anyway, somewhere during that time, it hit me. I heard a, an old, you know, met one of the earlier messages and Billy was preaching some stadium somewhere, and he was crying out. He was saying, oh, God, maybe God will send another great spiritual awakening from coast to coast. Something like that. You know what I mean? And then I thought, it's like the Lord said, guess what? I did. Whenever he prayed that, what, 50, 60, I don't know how many years ago. But you think about, what, what did God do through his ministry? People were saved all over the earth. People like me, many others were encouraged. They paid my way to go to Amsterdam, things like that. But so many people were impacted. I believe we've been in a great spiritual awakening. How many people have been saved during his, his ministry? And, but I tell you, God wants to do it again. He wants to do it again. It just encouraged me. We're going to keep praying that God would send another great spiritual awakening to this nation from coast to coast and from the Gulf, where I grew up, to Canada. Some of you guys grew up in Canada. I know Don and Margaret did. I can't imagine growing up in Canada. You know, growing up in Louisiana. You know, we used to get one snowflake and they would cancel school. Really. <laughs> Close her down, man. we try to go slide on the one flake, you know. You had to get it while you could. But... I read this week Charles Spurgeon. He said, let every man find out what God wants him to do and then do it or die in the attempt of it. And I thought that's a pretty good thing for where we're living. You know, we might die in the attempt of it and maybe not, but we're going to go for it. I'd rather go for everything. Somebody back in my early days, they said, it's better to aim for the sun and if you miss, you'll hit the moon rather than try to aim for the moon and miss and hit the ditch across the street. So let's just go for the sun. Let's go for the sun. Let's go for everything that God has. And I, I would rather Him, when we get there that day, 
say, you believe me for too much. David, you believe me for too much. Or, and not, or him say the other, you know, you believe me for far too less. If you'd only believed, if you'd only had trusted me, if you only had stepped out in faith, you would have been amazed. So anyway, I want to do some things because we have to build this new structure for what God wants to do. If He's going to bring revival like we've been praying and believing that He will, the current structure is not going to hold what God's doing, right? How are you going to get everybody in here? It ain't going to happen. We thought about building a balcony. That even that wouldn't happen. We do have a platform outside that's on waiting. And one day maybe we'll build a structure. We got downstairs is almost finished for overflow. But what God wants to do, this is just a this is like kindergarten. So we're going to need home groups. We're going to need people to raise up their homes and be ready to house the harvest. We have to build a net. And we have to build, you know, the vessel so he can pour the wine into new wineskins. Just say, I'm a new wineskin. You see, we have, we're the skins, the wine. He's the wine. He's going to pour the wine. We can't manufacture what heaven wants to pour out. People have tried. It never works. So we just build the skin. We get ready. And then, God, you do the pouring. I'm believing. I'm believing it's already started. I'm, I'm, I know maybe some of you, I don't care if you voted for Trump or not. It's not about that. But I do believe that God raised him up to give us time for the season we're living in right now. To do the will of God. Because he's a friend of the church. And I know I, I see stuff on the internet all the time. You know, all kinds of stuff. You know, from both sides. And it's, I don't care what they say. All I know, God told me to pray for him and get ready for a great harvest of souls. And that's what we're going to do. We're to occupy till the Lord comes. He may come any moment. He may come many years from now. My own opinion is the winds are blowing. And they are blowing in the natural and in the spirit. So you guys with me, I'm going to share some things on, on prayer. Because we need a whole generation, a new generation of prayer warriors to be raised up. The older generation of prayer warriors, we're not wearing out. We just need some help. You know what I'm talking about? You know, we're not wearing, are you wearing out, David and Jody? No, you're not wearing out at all. We just need some young guys. We need some t- new prayer warriors here. We need some fiery evangelists to be raised up. Who's going to take his place? We are. You are. In fact, many people are. I know that for a fact. I know that for a very fact. But anyway, are you ready to take off? i got to share from the Scripture first so the guys watching online, you know, they feel like they're a part. You know, they can't be a part of our small group. But you might can just get when I was a little kid, I would get my dogs and preach to my dogs. I really did. You can ask her. Well, Shirley wasn't around, but I told her the stories. So just gather people around you or animals. I don't know. Just get a crowd together. Just go for it. My dog was a good listener. You know, I, I really did. I do this. I preach to my puppy. Puppy, repent. You know, especially when he did something in the floor in the house or something. <laughs> Repent. Anyway, I've told you all those stories. All right, go to Isaiah 64. And uh, we looked at the scripture. 
not too long ago, but I want to go back because I saw some things that I, had, I did not see the first time, and plus it helped, it's going to help me as a foundation to where we want to go this morning. And I want to do something on the PowerPoint, and then we'll save time at the end. It won't take long around the tables and uh, pray for one another and uh, just believe God for miracles. That's all we're asking. God, we just want to see signs and wonders that demonstrate that you are king. Your kingdom has come. It's not just coming. It is coming, but his kingdom has come. It's very near you. And uh, right here in our midst, the king is in our midst. So let's pray. And, you know, one more thing before we pray. There, you know, the stuff going on in the nations. A lot of people, you know, the stuff going on in the nations, they can't handle. There's so much stuff going on in their own life. They need a turnaround in their life. You know, people watching this morning, they say, look, I know stuff's happening in the world, in my world. I'm hurting. I need a turnaround. I need what happened, what they prayed about in Washington, D.C. I need a turnaround. You're praying for the nation. I'm in agreement. But you don't know what I'm going through every day of the week. And I need that turnaround. So let's just pray that God would let Purim happen again. And uh, for many people individually as well. And so, Lord, we just pray this morning, God, that there would be another Purim. And turn around. Lord, we pray for people individually that whatever they're facing, God, the, the, their personal encounters with darkness, disease, all kinds of stuff, wars in the home. They're not worried about wars among nations because they got wars going on in their families. God, we pray that you would rise up and that you would be big in the households of America again. And God, that you would show yourself strong. Rise up and scatter the enemy. Lord, there are people today, they're lonely, they're struggling. They can't get out of the, the mess they're in, God. Show them the way. Show them that you're the way, that you're the truth, you're the life. Lord, we ask you to touch people, save people, heal, deliver. Lord, let your word come alive. Let your word run swiftly, even from this place this morning. Lord, all over the land. Because you gave us a word that the gospel would be preached from Moravian Falls to the ends of the earth. And Lord, we see a little bit of that. But we ask for more. We ask for increase. And we bless, Lord, everywhere today where the gospel is being preached. Lord, all over this land. God, give those that are speaking your word a fresh anointing. Lord, like they've never known before because of the times in which we're living. Not because we're worthy. But because, Lord, it's your plan and your purpose. And because you're a good God. And that you want to show yourself to this nation. Lord, we're believing you. As Billy used to pray and we prayed. God, send another great spiritual awakening. We pray across this land. And Lord, we're getting ready for it. And so, we're just trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Isaiah 64, beginning with verse 1. You remember the prayer of the prophet. He says, oh, God, that you would rend the heaven, that you would come down. And then in verse 2, that you would make your name known to your adversaries. How many of you know we need God to make his name known to his adversaries? Now, how does he do that? Well, he does that. He can do that sovereignly. When he comes on the scene, you know, he comes down. He pours out his spirit. But another way, it's not only God coming down, it's the church rising up. The church has to rise up. In the New Testament, remember, Ephesians chapter 3. To me, Paul says, who am the least, 
than or less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from the beginning of the ages that has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ to the intent that now, say now, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Say by the church. That's us. To who? To the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. And this is part of God's eternal purpose since time began and that He accomplished in Christ Jesus. And so, yes, God coming down, but it's the church rising up. We have to rise up. If we don't rise up in this hour, too much is given, much is required. We've been given so much. We've been given time. We've been giving the best anointed men and women to preach the gospel. You know, teachers, I mean, it's been incredible what He's given to us as a nation. And now we got to rise up. So He says, Lord, that You would come down, make Your name known to Your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at Your presence. That's the fear of God. Can I prophesy to you, America is going to again tremble at the presence of God. But I have a feeling before that happens that trembling needs to begin among us. Because you, you read a couple chapters over, it talks about how they trembled at His Word. We lost that as a whole. We're going to get it back again. You young guys that are coming on the scene, preaching the Word, I'm telling you, you will preach, and gals, and people will literally tremble out of their seat because of the Word and the anointing on the Word in this hour. I hope I get to be a part of that, you know. But I don't know. It's kind of a scary thing to think about because we're going to be trembling too. When God shows up, the whole nation's going to tremble. You know, they mock Him and they blaspheme Him and, and they say all manner of things against Him. And then they say those things against us. Remember what the Lord said. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. It, beware if men speak highly of you. But beware, if you have people speaking highly of you, you better beware. You know, it's good when they speak all manner of evil and such as that. It really is a good thing. That's one of my keys as to, you know, who we want to bring around here. If somebody's talking evil about them, especially the religious crowd, I want to bring them here. Because the Lord's speaking well of them. I, that's something that was drilled into me when I was a little kid. You know, sometime we had, at lunch, after church, we would have the pastor for dinner. Not as a guest, we'd have, we'd, we'd have roast pastor. <laughs> stewed, you know, and we'd talk about, you know what I'm talking about those days. You know, we had him for lunch, but I'm telling you, God's going to rise up. He's going to have his own lunch. And he's, he's inviting us to lunch, to the great table. Well, better get going. You're not in a big hurry, are you? It's the Super Bowl today. No. National championship. No, nothing going on. Guess what? There is a national championship happening. It's us. It's us. We're the saints. The saints, the real saints are going marching in. I'm serious about this stuff. I mean, you guys, if you're not shouting, you're going to be before it's over. Man, this is it. This is the time we've been waiting for. It's a time you, what do you think you've been going through hell for? To stay in there forever? No. So you can bring heaven 
to the midst of other people's hell. Heaven, let thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How am I going to get through this, Lord? I will, because i got a PowerPoint. you got to do it. You know. Okay, verse 3. When you did awesome things, you came down. Now look in verse 4. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you. Now that next line is very important. Who acts for the one who waits for him. The word wait means to tarry. Doesn't matter how long. It could be a long time. You know, long suffering means long suffering. The word actually comes from the word it means to carve or to entrench. You're waiting. You ever, you know, in war, don't they build a trench, foxhole or whatever? And then, you know, that's where you don't want to retreat from that line. You want to go forward. The Lord's looking for those who will dig a trench and say, I'm staying, I'm not retreating, I'm going forward. And that's the heart, they're waiting, they're digging that trench, they're carving a line in the sand. And the word acts, God acts for those who wait for Him. Acts means to do or to make. In the King James, it means to accomplish, to advance, this is what God does. To bestow, bring forth, be busy, commit, deal, deal with. I like that word, God will deal with. Do, execute, exercise, finish, fulfill, furnish, grant, hold a feast. Hold a feast? That's a pretty good definition. Hold a feast. Be industrious. Keep, labor, maintain, make, bring, perform, provide, set, work. In other words, I don't know what's left you could add to that. God's going to show Himself strong for those that wait for Him. And then in verse 5, you meet him who rejoices and does righteousness and who remembers you in your ways. Three things. Did you see the three R's? I'm glad they taught me, you know, it's okay to sometime have three R's, three F's, three G's in your message. It helps people remember. Well, obviously, Isaiah wanted us to remember this. So he said he meets him who, number one, they rejoice. You've got to keep your joy in this hour. I'm, I'm going to challenge you. Everything in hell will try to steal your joy from you. A joyless Christian is not going to be able to fully accomplish all that you've been called to do. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. You become weak when you're joyless. So we, we've got to have the joy of the Lord. It's not our joy. It's His joy. So you meet Him who rejoices. And then the next thing, who does righteousness. Does righteousness. Now I know we are righteous because of the shed blood, right? Absolutely, it's been imparted to us. But we're also to do righteous. He said, seek my kingdom and my righteousness. So we're to be doing acts of righteousness. We're to, we're our righteous people on the earth. Holy. Be holy even as I'm holy. And we know that. And then he says, and remember, you rejoice you do righteousness and you remember you in all of your ways. We have to remember what God's done for us in the past if we're going to make it in the future. You've got, to, you've got to remember those things He's done for you. Write them down. Don't forget them. And that's what verse 3 says. When you did awesome things, God, for which we did not look, you came down. And I can tell you when you get in, 
you get in a fix and the enemy's rising up, begin to remember what God's done for you yesterday or the years before. And to quote and stand on that. And, um, you know, preach to the hordes of hell. Look, you know who, what my God's done for me? You know what He's done for me in the past? The same God yesterday is the God today. He's my God right now. Draw near to God. Resist the devil. You know what he does? He flees. He's not going to flee if you don't draw near to God. And he's not going to flee if you don't resist him. He's not going to voluntarily give up the fight. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have to rise up and walk in what we've been called to. And uh, so look in verse 5. At the end of that, this was the verse that we pointed out a few weeks ago. I'm still meditating on the scripture. But it says that you are indeed angry for we have sinned. And in these ways we continue and we need to be saved. And I, I think that applies to many things. But think about the shootings and we, this is what we spoke of in that verse. The things that are going on in America. In these ways we continue and we need to be saved. Now, how are, you going to, how are we going to be saved? Well, first of all, I can promise you man's not going to fix it himself. Not going to happen. Man's legislation is not going to do the trick. You can't legislate. What are you going to You're going to draw a line and say, devil, we've made a, we just voted 208 to 3. There's always somebody going to resist, you know, 208 to 3 that you can't do this. So what? You can bring all those laws to him you want. The devil is the devil. He steals, he kills, he destroys. Legislation's not going to fix it. So how are we going to get out of this mess we're in? You remember, how many of you remember the three little points? You don't remember. Well, that's why God has me go back at these times and look at this. Well, here it is, right in the Scripture, verse 6. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. You know how to get out of the mess we're in? You begin by confessing the mess you're in. You know, David said, when I kept my sins, you know, secret, when I hid my sin, my bones grew old. But when I confess my sin, so we confess, God, I'm in a mess. Well, just confess it. You don't say, God, I'm in a mess. Watch me get out of this. You're not going to, it's not going to happen. God, I'm in a mess. I cannot fix myself. What if America rose up right now? God, we're in a mess. We can't fix it. We don't have the answers. God, we look to you. What would happen? Well, I'm telling you, there's a remnant that's doing that. We're crying. We're telling God, God, we're in a mess. We need you. We need your answers. There's no, no hope from man. And then it says the next thing, we all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind. So not only do we confess the mess we're in, but we, we just confess that it's sin. And the wages of sin is what? Death. Okay, so we, we're continuing in these ways. It's sin, and if we continue, guess where we're going to end up? Death. That involves individuals. Does it involve nations? What if nations continue to sin? What will happen? The wages of sin is death. So we have to say, God, we're in a mess. God, the mess is our sin. We confess our sin, and we acknowledge that the end of it is death. But, Lord, we turn to you. And then that's where we're going to launch into today, because the next thing is... He says, and there's no one, in verse 7, and there's no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. And I believe that speaks 
of intercession, of prayer, calling on God. We need a new generation. We need everyone to get in your place in this great harvest. Now, don't wait for me to tell you where to go. I don't know. You hear from God. You follow the Lamb, and the Lamb will show you where. He will make you the fisher of man. He'll put you in the position. You know, seek after Him. And we may be able to help some people as God shows us. But he's, there's only one head of this thing. It's not me. His name is Jesus. I'm just one of the guys around here. I just happen to have this responsibility. And I'm going to do it the best I can or die trying. But you've got to find out what your responsibility is and die trying. You die doing the will of God, you will be glorious. There's got to be some kind of special reward for those who die trying to do what they've been called to do. I don't know if that's in that list of rewards at the judgment seat. Well, it's a martyr. Maybe it's the martyr's reward. I don't know. But we've got to stir ourselves up. To stir himself up in the Hebrew means to open the eyes or to awake. Now, you see how that fits. There's no one who stirs himself up to grab hold of you. It means to awake. I heard Ann Graham Lotz. I actually heard she quoted this before the funeral. We watched the funeral. But she said, I believe my father's death is heaven's shot against the bow. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time for the world to wake up because you're not promised tomorrow. You need to decide now where you're going to spend eternity. And then she said, I hope my father's death will shake the church. And I pray, amen, Lord, let it be. We must have a great shaking. We've got to awaken. The church that remains asleep in this hour will probably be those who persecute the awakened in this great awakening. Probably going to fit that way. Because sometimes those who are used of God are the persecutors of that next move of God. Because it didn't happen like they had planned or they had gone through before. We don't want to be in that crowd. Say, I don't want to be in that crowd. Anyway, we got to take hold. Yesterday at our men's breakfast, the word take hold means to take hold. It means to fasten upon to seize, to be strong, to strengthen, to bind, restrain, to conquer. We're more than conquerors. We're not just getting by here. You know what I'm talking about. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. But at our uh, men's breakfast, we had like 23 men there yesterday. Men's fellowship breakfast. And anyway, it was a great time. And, and uh, one of the guys were asking what people had been seeing this week and on the 21st, on the day that Billy Graham died, he said, this, his name was Mark. I don't see him here this morning. But anyway, not this Mark, another Mark. But he said, on the 21st, I heard my name. I heard it loud and clear. And he woke up. He got up. He, he said it came. It was He knew. He lives alone. And he said, but I knew. And he was asking us, some of I forgot who we were in that little group. He said, you think that was God? I mean, he was convinced. He was just... You know, looking for, I said, what do you, I guess, sounds like to me, Mark, you, it doesn't have to be a loud voice or an audible voice. If God speaks your name, you're going to know it. So he rose up and we were wondering, what does it mean, God? Well, one thing, you know, Mark, get on your mark. Get on, I said, Mark, maybe it means get on your mark. Get set. Get ready. Mark. You know, I don't know. 
But uh, we got to get set. We got to get on the mark. We got to stir ourselves up. It refers to intercession. We need a new fire on our prayer life and our intercession. We've been trying to keep the fire on the altar burning. We have. We wrote it. I wrote it right here, underneath this carpet, that the fire on the altar would never go out. And so we we gather. We have people that gather throughout the week, but sometimes. Throughout the week, we just have one or two people gather. Now, I know the Lord said, we're two or more. There I'll be. And he knew. That's what Rick reminded us of, Rick Joyner recently. The Lord knew at times there would only be two or more. So don't bellyache. You know, so I'm not going to bellyache. He didn't say it that way. I'm saying it to myself. Don't bellyache. You know, you just two or more. You and God make a majority. You and God can conquer islands and nations for the kingdom's sake. But anyway, we need more intercessors. We need people, not just to come during the week, but uh, just be in prayer. Man, when God shows up like we really know He's going to, we need people downstairs praying while things are going on up here. We need people holding us up, holding whoever up. The children may have the front stage. We don't know what's happening, but they're down there. People are praying. Oh, God, Lord, let your word run swiftly. God, open the hearts. Lift the blinders of the lost. We got we to have people bombarding, you know, the, the gates of heaven, grabbing hold to God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, some of you do, some of you don't. If you're not here this morning, I'm going to be greatly not offended. But, but anyway, I'm, I feel an anointing. God wants to release this. And I, the reason I know this God doesn't do anything by accident. I'm thinking about all the stuff that happened with Purim and Billy Graham line in the Capitol and this conference that that Sheets and these guys had. Nita Johnson was there this week, the gathering of the Eagles in Washington. I think of all these things, and I look back at my life in my own testimony that I've shared bits and pieces with you and the influence that Billy Graham had on my life. And I think of all these things, God... How does all this stuff happen? How does it all fit like this, God? You must be God up there. You know what He is. He is God. He's ordering us. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. So this week, no, it was last week. Anyway, it took me a while to get all this together. Maybe it took me a while to figure out what God's saying. But I was going down to my office, and I told you my office is in our basement, and I let my dog in sometimes and play with him and, he runs around. So maybe he's the culprit that knocked off the book from the bookshelf. But anyway, there was a booklet lying on the floor that I hadn't seen in years. I forgot I had it. It's called The School of Prayer by a man by the name of Tharp. This was way back. I'm not going to tell you how many years ago, but it's way, way back. I don't know how it got on my floor. Probably Jake running by. But how could he get up there? and? How? I don't know, but it's lying there. So anyway... I pick it up and I realize this is God. God's saying something to us. Anyway, in his testimony, he said this. He said, for years I've wondered where prayer warriors might be found who could prevail with God for revival. Then the Lord made it clear that intercessors are not to be found like discovering oil or gold. They will be raised up in the church and taught to pray by spirit-filled leaders who are themselves devoted to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And then he said, and this was in the 80s when he wrote this, that he, he felt like the Lord was calling him out to seek 
the Lord, to spend time with God. And then he said, I obeyed the Lord and, he, and kept His word. And two things were given to me in the first month. He gave me a vision of a great spiritual awakening. And then he burdened my heart to call the church to prevailing prayer. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I want to stir us up. We, not, we need prevailing prayer. We need to be the, the wine. No, he's the wine. We need to be the skins, the wine skins to contain this new wine. And I'm telling you, it's about the lost. I, yes, God's going to bless us. But the, it's not just about us getting blessed. How many of you know that? There's no amens. It's not about, so what if you get blessed? What about your neighbors who spend eternity in hell? This is about eternity's sake. Now, I know he came to give us life, give us abundant but he also came to seek and save that which is lost. And the last great move of God is going to involve lost people. Thrones, stadiums that are going to... I saw the books. I'm, maybe that's why I'm just a little bit motivated. I shared with you the dream I had many years ago, the books that Billy Graham was holding. And one of them were filled with the names of people that were saved during his ministry. The other book was empty. It was going to be filled with the names of all of those who would be written in that book as a part of a last day great harvest of souls. And so I, I keep repeating that, reminding you of that. We got to not be so concerned if we're blessed or not, but is God's will being done or not? And it's His will that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. You're not going to bring any blessing with you to heaven. You're not going to bring your car to heaven. You're not going to bring whatever it is you have to heaven with you. Now, I do remember reading about a man that was buried in his car one time. He had, he had his car buried with him. I mean, you remember that. Some kind of, he had Rolls Royce or something. He was buried. I promise you when he went, he did not, the car didn't make it. The car didn't make cars. Now, they don't get there. It's rusted. Can you imagine now? It was a lot of years ago. Anyway. Bugs in the tires. I don't know. It's pitiful. The only thing you can bring with you. You know what it is? What do you think? Souls. Souls. That's, I wonder if that's why he said, He that wins souls is wise. And those who are wise in the last days shall shine in the brightness of the firmament. They're going to be wise. They're going to have understanding. They're going to walk in His ways. They're going to see His goodness. They're going to be wise in this hour because they're winning souls. Did you hear me? Now, I know a lot of part of the church is going to go right on. It's a big bless me club. God is like Santa Claus. Bless me, give me, do this, do that. Well, I'm telling you, God ain't going with... He, that's not where He's going. He is a blessing God. You cannot outrun His blessing. But he wants us to go. The last word, go ye therefore. It's the last days. Go into the highways and byways. And uh, that's just my word. I'm sticking to it. Now, last week we looked at the kingdom. And I'm going to get to the PowerPoint. I really am. I haven't done this a lot. Maybe I should start doing it. Because we need to teach. 
It's easier to see because you're going to forget most of the stuff I said. But if you see it and then you repeat it, you might go do it. Amen? All right, some of you are looking at me like, what did that guy say? A calf looking at a new gate. You wonder if he wants to go in that gate or not. Y'all never heard that one, have you? That was probably a Ray Hughes joke. That's the kind of stuff Ray would say, but not me. So maybe I shouldn't say it. But last week, the kingdom. We left two things out. Remember, we listed a bunch of characteristics of the kingdom. How many of you remember? You remember the first one? The kingdom is coming. Remember, does anybody remember? You guys online, hey, send us a tweet. Do you remember? You know what we talked about. Well, we talked about There are two things we left out. One is, you ready for this one? I left it out on purpose. Because we enter the kingdom through much tribulation. At the end of, that's the tribulation. We enter the kingdom through tribulation. Some folks don't like to hear that. They have a different understanding. Well, I come from what I believe, Jesus said, after the tribulation of those days in Matthew, then you shall see the Son of Man. Anyway, we won't go there this morning. It's okay. There are differences of opinion. But I tell you, we enter in to the kingdom through much tribulation, much pressure. Intense times. Intense times are coming. Now, I know if you go to the gathering, you hear that all the time. You hear that all the time. But we, at the same time, we also follow up with that, that God's making us intense for the times. Because that other characteristic of the kingdom that I left out was, the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. You don't just wait. You take the kingdom. That's what Isaiah said. There's no one that grabs hold of me, stirs himself up. And so we've got to be a little bit violent, all right? Violent, like Spurgeon. He said, know what God's called you to do, then do it or die trying to do it. But do it. It's those who do the will of God, not those who hear the will of God. In America today, there are people going into churches all across the land, and they're hearing the will of God. But how many, I wonder, walking out the doors saying, I grabbed that truth, and now I'm going to go do the will of God. That's the difference. That's how you separate the sheep from the goat, the wheat from the tares, and many things. Go with me, if you would, to Mark 13. Somebody say, Amen. There's nothing going on today more important than what we're doing right now. I'd rather be here than at the finest hospital America has to offer. Some of you got it. Mark chapter 14. Oh, God, help us. Help this guy, Lord. Help him. That's what I say. Because we can do nothing without him. You know what we can accomplish without God? No thing. Nothing of eternal value. There's folks accomplishing things they think are going to last. And when the fire comes, they're all going to be burned up because they did things their will, their way, rather than God's will. God doing it through them. They did it for Him rather than God doing it through them. I'm telling you, this is an exciting time. You better get ready. Look in verse 32. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled 
and deeply distressed. So Jesus was troubled. Now, Gethsemane means oil press. It was located on the lower, you know, slopes of the Mount of Olives. But the Kidron River was nearby. Kidron means to grow dark. And it was growing dark in his life. I mean, he could see what was ahead. What was ahead for Jesus? The cross. And so it was getting pretty intense and he was sorrowful for what he saw was coming. But then he goes on, he said he went a little further and he fell on the ground. I'm telling you, God's calling all of us, not just to go a little farther, but to go all the way. And to go all the way means we have to fall on the ground. We have to yield. We have to humble. It's not about our standing. It's His standing. It's God's standing. And we're bowed. We become less. He becomes greater. He becomes great. We become less. Does that make sense? We have to humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And He'll exalt you in the due time. We humble. We yield. We lay our lives down so that He can be raised up. And we see this. He went, he went a little further. Then he said in verse 36, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thy will be done. Now I'm going to switch over to my, my PowerPoint. I think we'll be able to do that. Yes. Almost. It's the next one. There it is. See, what did I tell you we're going to talk about? The school of prayer. James Thorpe, little booklet, wrote it in the 80s. It's hidden in my, my library. My dog runs by and somehow it falls off so I can see it. That's one way you get God gets my attention. He puts them right before my face. Because sometimes He puts things right before your face and you still don't see it. You know, you, we're like those disciples. They could not see it. They couldn't hear. They couldn't get it. And then they finally did. And we want to get it. I want to get it. How many of you want to get it? Look in verse 36. Now, we looked at this before. Four quick things. This has to do with four attitudes. And we're going to do four things. It won't take too long. We'll go quickly. Then we're going to break up into our groups. And you're in groups already. And it'll, have, it'll be fun. We'll pray for one another. God's going to let... He's going to do miracles this morning. Miracles. So anyway, four attitudes that Jesus displayed in prayer. And uh, the first one... Well, here's that scripture. Remember that? There's no one who calls on your name to stir himself up to take hold of you. Well, I'm going to challenge that verse. I want to be one of them. How many of you want to be one of them? God, I want to be one of those that stir myself up, that awaken to grab hold of you in this hour that you can use me. And so, Jesus, the four attitudes that he displayed in prayer. First of all, Abba, Father. Right there in the scripture. It's all in the scripture. Abba, Father. It's about a relationship. Paul said that I might know Him. The most tragic scripture in all the Bible is where Jesus will tell those who did great works. They prophesied. They saw miracles. And remember how He responded to them. He said, depart from me. I never knew you. They said, but Jesus, we went to church. You preached in our streets. We heard your word. We did all these wonderful things in your name. But they did not do the will of God. It's out of a relationship with Him. Abba, Father. All about relationship. Not about what we do. It's about who we know. First of all, Abba, Father. He said all things are possible with you. He had faith in a big God. Nothing was impossible. Now, He was the Son of God. 
the Son of Man, but he still believed. He had faith as the Son of Man. He had faith in God. And God has been allowing us to go through impossible situations. You know why? To get us ready for the impossible situations we're yet to face. And to know when you go through them, they are possible. Because all things are possible with Him. Not only prevailing prayer, we got to have a prevailing faith in this hour. A bunch of weak Christians that go to church weekly, and they just read a little bit of the Bible weekly, and they pray weekly. They're weekly. we got to have people that are prevailing in faith. When the Lord comes back, He's not going to look for the weak in faith. He says, will I find faith on the earth when I return? I don't, I think you could study that scripture and it's probably not weak faith there. Now I know we only have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. But that's enough if it's directed in the right direction towards a big God. And then he said, take my cup or take this cup away from me. So he made his requests made known unto God. And, uh, it's important. There it is. All things are possible. And next, take this cup from me. And he, you know, we want to make our requests made known unto God. But it's not about our requests. It's much more than that. It's the will of God that matters. You remember the scripture says, let your requests made known unto God with thanksgiving. And what will happen? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's more important that you keep your peace than every request be met. Do you understand that? Yes, God will. He said the peace of God should have, you should have the peace of God whether he says yes, whether he says no, or whether he says wait. How many of you know he says all three of those things? Yes, no, wait, peace prevails with thanksgiving. And then the next thing about Jesus, he said after he made his request, Lord, can you, can you let this cup pass from me? What did he say? Nevertheless. Not what I will, but what you will be done. And so it was all about surrender to the will of God. That's Jesus. That's the way he prayed. He said, yes, Lord, get me out of this. But it wasn't just about that. It was the will of the Father. And then the next thing, he was anointed for prayer. Look over in Luke chapter 3. Nobody's going to sleep yet, right? Don't go to sleep. I would, that would really offend me if you go to sleep. No, it wouldn't. I wouldn't be offended. I remember growing up as a little boy, the men in the choir. They would agree with everything the pastor said. Because you'd see their heads. You know, they'd be nodding just like this. He could have turned around and said, all of you guys are going to hell. They'd have been, just like this. Yeah, just like that. Anyway, you know, how many of you remember those days? You know, how many of you have done that before? Sometimes you need sleep, you know. I'm going to take a nap this afternoon. I'm going to do some of that stuff, you know what I mean? But I don't want to do it now. That would be really weird. You don't want to do that now. That would be strange. But look at this. Okay, Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed... So now we're looking that Jesus was anointed for prayer. The first thing that happened when he prayed. Now, not only Jesus, but us. While he prayed, what happened? The heaven was open. A man called me this week from Illinois. He must live in the sticks. He just wanted to talk to somebody that he thought where something was going on. 
And, you know, anyway, so I, he's a nice guy. And so I was talking to him, and he was asking me about the places of refuge. He said, now, doing the, in these places of refuge, it, are they places of refuge because the heavens are going to be open heavens? And I started, I almost said, yes. And then the Holy Spirit caught me and said, wait a minute. They're not open automatically. They're open because somebody's praying. Somebody's grabbing hold of the horns of the altar. Somebody's interceding. As prayer goes up, God comes down. There's an open heaven. The heavens are shattered when you begin to pray. So anyway, I'm glad the Holy Spirit reminded me of that. And that's exactly when he prayed, the heaven was open. And then the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. We want the anointing? Pray. The Holy Spirit will descend not just in us, but upon us. Then the next thing, what happened? A voice. People say, I, I've never heard his voice. You pray and you'll begin to hear his voice one way or the other. It may be audible. It may not be audible. You know, that lady on The View, she criticized Vice President Prince. Prince. Yeah, he, well, maybe he is a prince. But still, you know, she criticized. She said, well, it's one thing to talk about Jesus. It's another thing to, to Jesus to talk to you. I have news for you. That's normal Christianity. It's normal to hear from God. You say, does he always speak audibly? No. I've only heard his audible voice, I think, one time. There are other times, it might as well. I don't, you, it could not have been any louder. It's in your spirit. You hear him when you read the word. You want to hear God? Read the Bible. Who was it? St. Augustine, he said, when the scriptures speak, God speaks. That's one thing that, I don't know, it's my own pet peeve in the church in America. When it comes to God's Word, if God is really speaking and He really sent someone that's speaking for Him, people can take it or leave it. I can take it or leave it. There's such a non-respect for the Word of God. And I'm telling you, God's going to restore the trembling to the Word again. You know, we're to preach as if you're preaching the oracles of God. When I speak, I believe God Almighty has been lining me up, telling me what to say, and I'm speaking. And then I, I see sometimes people, they could take it or leave it. Who cares? I'm telling you, God's going to shake that thing in America. I don't know how it got there. I don't know who brought it in here. It's time to get going. Anyway, Jesus was anointed. The heavens were open. The next thing, the Holy Spirit descended. Hey, when you read the Bible, I, who was it? Author Blessed. He said, I could go in the most boring church in America. If they open the Bible and they start reading, I can have glory. Because I'm hearing my Savior. I ain't, I ain't come for some man anyway. I went to hear from heaven. I went to hear God. You didn't come. Listen, man, the best of them are weak as they can be. It's God that we need in this house. God's Word. It's hearing from heaven. A voice came from heaven. And then the next thing... Look what he said. He said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You want to know how God loves you? Start praying, spending time with God. You'll feel the favor of God on your life. Heavens will open. You won't have to question that because you're spending time. You spend time with God. You can't but help know that he loves you. Because that's who he is. That's his nature. Well, I do. I got to tell you one story about the, the voice. When I was in my, it's for you guys, when in my early days in college, just learning about all these things, God would put a thought in my mind. 
It, it, was, it was like this. The phone is ringing. This would come to my mind. The phone is ringing. And what to me it meant that God wanted to speak to me. So I'd go out, you know, there in Monroe, Louisiana. I'd find me a field or pasture, go along the bayou. We had a bayou that went right through my college called Bayou Desired. That's the name of it. So I'd just find me a place. And I just, it, I don't know, happened for many years. The phone is ringing. So I just go, okay, God, the phone's ringing. I'm here. Here am I. Speak, Lord. Your servant David's listening. And he'd speak to me. And then I, re I would realize, wait a minute, I'd go back to the dorm. It's like I couldn't hear him anymore. God didn't hang up on me. I hung up on him. We, God is not hanging up on us. You call on him. He'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know it's not. I'm telling you, he wants to speak. He wants, to, he wants a relationship ongoing 24 hours a day. He wants you to be as near to Him tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock than you are right now. He wants you to be so near. Because He's that kind of God. He's after a relationship with us. Well, I tell you, my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. How many of you saw the, the, uh, the funeral? Did you see the funeral? Billy Graham's funeral. Now, the daughters... You got, uh, you know, Ann Graham. I'm going to invite her here. You have not because you asked not. I'm going to, y'all be praying, okay? I'm going to invite her here. I want her to come because I really appreciate the Graham family. But she's got a fire on her. She looked at her daddy in that casket. She said, Daddy, I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach until I die. I'm telling you. And Franklin, too. But anyway, the others, Gigi, we met Gigi, Shirley and I. Very kind. She had been through stuff. And then the other, Ruth. Ruth, did you see her testimony? At the funeral, she's sharing how she had failed. She married the wrong man. And she her, her mom, Ruth, and Billy, she called them. And they, they told her, don't marry this man. She married him anyway. And it was a mess from the very beginning. And it ended in disaster. And she's on her way home. She got, she had to go see her mom and dad. And she said, you know, you don't want to disappoint your dad, especially if your daddy is Billy Graham. You don't want to disappoint him, you know. So she didn't want to disappoint him. She said she drove around, you know, that mountain to get up to their, his home and guess where Billy Graham was. He, he happened to be home that time, but he had his arms wide open, ready to receive her. He said, I love you. Welcome home. You're my daughter, I'm, you're, in whom I'm well pleased. I don't know what all he said, but I'm telling you, he's that kind of God. And then we see that Jesus had the right attitude. Or he was, let me back that up. He was, no, devoted. He was devoted to prayer. He had the right attitude, but he was devoted in his prayer. Look at Luke chapter 11 now. Everybody still with me? Say, I'm still with you. Hang on, it's gonna, we're gonna, I'll try to speak a little faster. I can, somebody, you know, you ever heard that auditory fine print? They tell you what you're signing. Now, if you sign right here, or your money back. Wouldn't you just, you ever heard that auditory fine print? Shirley's the one that gave it the name to that. She told me that's what that is. So, every time we hear them speaking so, so fast... Well, we don't read the stuff anyway. How many of you read the stuff? I mean, they got these pages that you have to read through. Read 
all of the things that you need to know. I'm not going to spend the next month reading what I need to know. How I many of you know that? I think it's a trick. You sign the bottom line, they got you. Anyway, I won't do any auditory fine print. Look in Luke chapter 11. Now it came to pass, verse 1, as he was praying in a certain place, where he, when he ceased, that one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray. So he gives them a model. First thing, our Father. Don't go to him and, oh, God, help me. God, whoa, pity. Whoa. Oh, God, I'm, I'm horrible. Oh, no, just say, Father. Father. Abba, Father. Then you can get into talking about the mess, but just say, God, our Father which art in heaven. God, you're great and awesome. Hallowed be your name. Lord, Lord, let your kingdom come. Your will be done in what I'm going through. And it's just, he gave you this. But then it goes in verse 5, and he's teaching about persistency, remember. He said to them, which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on this journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are in the bed. I cannot get up. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his, what? Persistence. Because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. The persistency. And then he reinforces that in verse 9 through verse 13. He says, I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. How many of you know that if you study this out, it means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. I bet you some people wonder that have known me for a long time. Why are you still praying for a great spiritual awakening? Because I'm keep on seeking, I'm keep on knocking, I'm keep on, I'm going to find. Because everyone that asks, receives. Everyone that seeks, find. And everyone that knocks, the door will be open to him. And I know that lives are at stake. I know America's destiny. We've got to press into God. I'm not going to be one of those on the sideline enjoying the journey. I want to enjoy the journey, but I'm in the midst of it. And you are too. You, you're a soldier of the Lord. Remember, was it Archippus? He called him my fellow soldier. My, I could name your name and say you're my, you're our, we're fellow soldiers in this great conflict of the ages. It's the greatest conflict we've ever known in this last age because the king is going to rise up victorious. But anyway, you know, ask. That's like a progression. You can ask. If I say, Diane, would you give me that? And then if I seek, I'm going to get a little closer. Because I'm seeking it. All right? Then if I'm knock, I'm knocking on your head. Diane, can you give me that? You know, with a little bit more intensity. We got to go from asking. We got to go from seeking. We got to go to knocking. Knocking on the door. Don't give up. Somebody told me this week they felt that way. I'm not going to give up. And um, we're not going to give up. But anyway, the devotion to prayer. Look at this real quick. I, I remember someone taught this years ago and it just kind of lodged in my memory banks and it came back this week I'm glad something comes back in your memory banks thank God the desire you got to have a desire to pray okay we're going to pray this morning 
We're going to say, God, would you stir the desire in our heart to pray? Would you pour out a spirit of grace and supplication on your people? All right, the next thing, the discipline. Now, here's where many folks get tripped up. Discipleship, the word discipleship means discipline. Discipline. You have to be disciplined. How many of you would say amen? Some of you folks aren't too knowing. Anyway, it goes from discipline to delight. Desire to discipline to delight. How many of you like when it becomes a delight? you got to go through it sometimes when it's the battle. And then it moves to devotion. And that's where we want to be. We want to be, like Jesus, devoted. Now, the last thing is that we're going to talk about is he was successful in prayer. How many of you want to be successful? Do you want to be? I know they have... You know, you can read books. They give you the points on how to be successful in prayer. Well, I don't know about the points. I just know what the Bible says. I want to show you. Look in Hebrews. Hebrews. Now, you guys watching my web stream, I know you think it's quiet. It's quiet because they're all anticipating what God is going to do. I just believe that. They haven't gone to sleep. Because I would wake them up. We need somebody to shake us. Some of you watching right now this morning. You know, you're off in somewhere else. You know, you may be, somehow you just listened in for a moment. But you know what you're going to do this afternoon is not pleasing to God. And I'm, I just pray the Spirit of God will walk into your room. Shake you to the core. And tell you that you greater is He that's in you than He that's tempting you in this world. And that God is greater. You trust Him. You call on Him. You resist the devil. He will flee from you. You don't have to give in to that temptation. We can live this life as we lay down our life and follow Him. But look at this. Hebrews chapter 5. Say, I'm with you. All right. Now, verse 1 through verse 4, he's talking about the high priesthood. No one can take this upon himself unless he's called of God. And that's, you know, the fivefold ministry. But how many of you know we're all priests of the living God? We're a kingdom of priests. That's really good. A kingdom of priests. Our highest calling is to minister to Him. We, when I'm preaching, I know I'm, I'm speaking, but I'm ministering to my God, the one that I love. I want to be pleasing to Him because I'm going to stand before Him one day and give an account for what I did this day. You're going to stand before Him too and give an account. We are devoted ministers of the Most High God to the Most High God. We want Him to be, get God be blessed. You know what I'm talking about. It's not just about whether He blesses me or not. I want God's dreams and God's desires to come to pass for this nation. That'd be far better than what I could ever imagine. Well, in verse 5, so also Christ, now here's the secret. Here's success in prayer. So also Christ did not glorify Himself. Now He should have, He could have, remember, Remember what Philippians says. I'm going to look at that real quick. Look back. Remember Jesus, verse, chapter 2, verse 5. He said, Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God. He was not violating any rules, but he humbled himself. He gave up his divine nature. The Son of God became the Son of Man. He emptied himself. Yes, there's only one God, but there are ways that He revealed Himself to us. Remember, in the beginning was the Word. 
Here's the word. Jesus. Jesus was with God, but what else was he? He was God. He was God. He is God. That's one way you can tell the difference in true Christianity from a cult, is how they view the divinity of Jesus. But Jesus, he didn't consider it robbery. He, he gave it up. He said, verse 7, But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even to the death on the cross. And because of this, remember, God said, You are highly exalted above all your name. Every, at your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. So he humbled himself. And uh, that's a pretty good thing, isn't it? He sought to glorify the Father, and then he had a relationship because back over in Hebrews, he said, you are my son. You are my son. That probably could have gone first. I don't think it matters. They're both. You know, he humbled himself, but he had a relationship. And then the next thing, he said, he accepted who the Father said he was. Now, this is big. If you've fallen asleep, you've got to wake up here. You've got to accept what God said about you. You don't... Give ground to what the devil says you are. Or what somebody else says you are. It's who he says you are. And that's what God said to Jesus. He said, so also, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And whatever God said about you is real. You accept it. You base, you bank on it. And then he was passionate, he goes on, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, he was passionate. we got to have the same passion he had on us. I'm going to ask God to do that in a minute. You guys with me? And then he said, not only that, but he said, who was able to save him from death. So he was, he believed that God was able. Now, did God save him from death? No. He went to the cross. Nevertheless, not my will. But he believed God was able. All he had to do was call and angels would have come and rescued him. But he, was, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. And then, now this is a, almost a mystery, but this is what it says of Jesus. And he was heard because of his godly fear. How many of you see that? It's not up here, but you look in your Bible, you see it. Jesus was heard because of his godly fear. What does that mean? As the Son of Man, he had such awe and a fear of God. He didn't want to do anything to disappoint his Father. Now, yes, he was God in the flesh. All man, all God. But he had a godly fear. I tell you, if we have a godly fear, many of our prayers will be heard because we don't dare ask anything except that would bring him glory. And that would exalt Him. And that would cause His kingdom to come on the earth as it is in heaven. You guys with me? All right, the last... Oh, no. We're getting ready to break into our groups. Wow, we're done. Can I do this again by PowerPoint? It's actually fun. So you'll remember, break into His groups later on. But we got to pray. And I know it's a little after. So who cares? There's coming a day... It's going to la- we're going to go on for all day. When real revival breaks out, those who are making excuses don't come to begin with because they know it ain't going to end when they hope it ends. You know what I'm talking about? They, got up, they already made excuses. They're not even going to show. That's the religious crowd that will criticize the move of God that's coming. 
while the lost come from the highways and the byways. I can't wait to that time. God, hurry up and shake it out. Shake it out, God. Shake all the pepper out so the salt can come. So the salt can rise up. Salt. Be the real salt on the earth. Well, I'm getting carried away. But God, we got to pray right now. There's people watching. They're lost. If you're in this room, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to pray. And then we're going to, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. And you guys are going to be a part of a group right there. you got a powerful young woman in front of you that will be a part of your group. And that young man, he's a young man. He's a good man. He's a missionary. His wife's going through all kinds of stuff. Wife messed up her leg big time. He's taking care of her. No, your ankle, her ankle, right? Hurts her leg. She had to crawl. She fell on the ice. She crawled home in the snow and ice. He wasn't home. But anyway, I tell you, people go through stuff. Everybody goes through stuff. But aren't you glad we go through stuff and God uses all these things for our good to them that love Him and are called? I don't know. I don't understand it all, but I know that God doesn't let the devil get up on Him on nothing. Our God reigns and rules over His kids. He's God in heaven, God on the earth. And I belong to Him. I don't belong to some accident. I belong to my King. I may have had some accident, but He's going to turn it around. He's going to turn it around. Just like now in America. There's some folks getting awfully excited. We got them. We're going to hang them on the gallows. We're going to wipe this nation out once and for all. I'm telling you, there's a turnaround coming. And His name is Jesus. Joshua's coming. Moses proclaimed the Word. But God is coming on the scene. God is arising. When God comes, the nations will tremble at His presence. Amen. But you got to know Jesus. That's where it begins with a relationship with Him. If you're here in this room, you don't know Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is convicting you or you're watching, we want to lead you in a prayer. And you call on Him. It's not just the prayer, but it's your heart. If you mean it in your heart, God will hear you. I'm telling you, this is the day of salvation. Okay. I, I, we cannot not do this because we don't know who's watching. You know, one time we did this, and a, a guy from Kenya was watching. And he got saved, he and his wife. And now they started a church. Now they got a whole bunch of churches in Kenya. They call the gathering churches. I'm going one day, the Lord's going to let me go to Kenya. Just because he got saved on the internet. This is pretty cool. Oh Lord, we just pray. Just pray this prayer. Everybody pray it out loud. But if you're here and you need him, call on him. Say, Dear God, I believe in you. And I need you. I believe in Jesus. That He is the Son of God. That He died on the cross and rose from the dead. And I confess that I'm a sinner. I'm in a mess and my mess is my sin. And I can't get out of it. So I call on you. I put my trust in you. I confess that you are the Son of God. And that you did. You died and rose from the dead. So forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I give you my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the fire of heaven. Use me for the rest of my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that, you prayed that, let us know. Contact us. Share that around your table or your group.